Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks a fist at the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So be sure to follow us on Twitter to let us know what you think, and also be sure to comment and share any hockey games, news, or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So Sebastian, <laughs> on today's podcast, uh, we're going to do some playoff updates from across the pond. So, you know, to start off, we're going to look over there at the Swedish Hockey League and just see that right now you got Rogle facing Skelleftia in the, I guess, the semifinal rounds, as well as Vekwa facing Orbro. I'm telling you, this is a league you and I don't know a lot about. I feel like this is a league I'm going to learn more and more about, I imagine, over the coming years. From what you mean you've been able to see so far, it looks like it's been some pretty good playoff hockey. Yeah, and, and I mean, before I think I can learn more about this league, I think I really lean to learn how to say these names. I mean, good on you for <laughs> good on you for having these. But I mean, for me, if this was me, I would have just said, you know, the team in the yellow jerseys are playing against the team in the red jerseys, and it was a great game. No idea what happened other than you know watching it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, for me, I, I love I love all kinds of hockey, right? And that's something why we always talk about on this podcast, right? It's why we do it. We love hockey. But yeah, I think it's something new that a little league I'd never heard about before we started talking about it. So I'm excited to definitely, you know, find out and more about this league and kind of find out some some gems that are over there in that league. Yeah, I think it's a it's a super sick league and there's a lot of talent in there. And there's some recognizable names when you start looking at the roster. So I'm really excited, you know, be able to hopefully in a non-COVID season, be able to learn a lot more about this league moving forward. But so far, it looks like the playoffs are great. And then you go across the border into Denmark and the Meta Liga is also in its finals right now. And the Seer Capital are holding a 3-0 chokehold on the Pirates. Uh, so this one pretty much just looks over, man. I mean, again, right? This is another league that you know it was kind of new to me, and uh, uh, it makes me laugh because for some reason all that pops in my head is that uh, the Super League that failed for uh, all the soccer fans that are listening to here, you know, or even all the sports fans. I'm sure it was all over the place. And when you hear all these teams, I'm like, all I can think of is the Super League. So hey, maybe one day we'll do a podcast and we'll, we'll create our own Super League and. Uh, Maybe it'll last longer than the actual Super League did. <laughs> you know, all that stuff coming out. They were banning players left and right. You play in this, you're never allowed to play for this country again. Or it's like, wow, they were going hard at that. I think it would have been kind of interesting. I'm not going to lie. But you Could know. you imagine like a Super League where you're like basically the Stanley Cup champion plays like, you know, the KHL champion. I'm sorry, but I forget the the name of that cup um and then there's you know whatever other all the other leagues right all the pro leagues it's kind of like a super super champion uh tournament i think that'd be awesome no i think that'd be sick and i'm pretty comfortable saying it's a gregorian cup that's it um, you nailed it yeah and so I'm, I'm excited to see who raises that speaking of the gregorian cup because i'll just jump ahead a little bit in our um in our itinerary here but the red army with a real late goal ends up making this one two to one and Puts the series at two to one as well. So they're up on avant-garde right now, man. I'm, I'm really excited to see how this thing actually 100% unfolded. Avant-garde was looking pretty good there. The series has been tied. Based off their Twitter post, I'm like, oh, they've got them. And yeah, two to one, they lost. Yeah, and I mean, as an outsider looking in, for me, I would think Avangard was the, you know, the favorite to win that one, and uh, you know, maybe that's how they went in thinking too, and and they're being pushed to uh, to play a little harder now. Yeah, and hey, I'm excited to see. I really can't wait to catch the highlights of this one. I know it takes the KHL just a minute, uh, like it does the NHL and most leagues, a minute to get that stuff posted. But I am definitely looking forward to seeing this this stuff get posted. Now we move into uh, North America and. Uh, there's actually a couple goalies out of the you know North American Hockey League 
that just signed their first NHL contracts, man. Did you see that story? Yeah, well, actually, I saw the one about Mad Sogard because uh, I, I followed him a yep. little bit since he's an auto center's draft pick, and, you know, he's Sedino Chara's size, basically. So uh, that was something I was excited for for the auto centers. I think they have a, a pretty a pretty positive future in, in the crease, um, and I, I hope that uh, Mad Sogard becomes, you know, something special because he's definitely uh, the prototype goaltender that they're looking for these days. Yeah, and do you know what league he came out of? Uh, yeah, he came out of the the, the no, like we just spoke about, right? Yeah, the Meta Liga. So out of Denmark. So that's really cool. Once I saw that, I'm like, okay. So he was playing in uh, the Meta Liga, and I think he was with the Energy with that league. Um, but then also Thomas Maska, and I'm assuming it's Vamaska, also signed his two-year entry-level contract as well. I tell you what, man, it's the NHL is definitely producing some top-end talent. It's really exciting to see a, a pair of goalie sign NHL contracts so close to each other. Yeah, and I think we're, we're seeing, you know, a big, big movement. Um, you know, I think before most of your goalies, I mean, you know, you think of the French-Canadians, you know, the, 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 the Americans that stand out. Yeah, and a couple, you know, Europeans like Hasek and, and Kolzig and other goals like that. But I, I think now you're really getting a big mix of goaltenders. And, uh, you know, even watching this year's draft, goalies kind of getting drafted from here, there, and everywhere around the world. I think it's an exciting time, and, and I like the diversity. You know, it's it's kind of cool to watch, you know, there's so many leagues that people can get drafted out of now, and all it takes is for one player to stand out, get drafted, to have basically that entire league on a radar. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I failed to mention that Vamaska actually signed a two-year deal with Predators. So congratulations to him and Sogard over there in, in Ottawa. So, yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting to see how these boys perform as Spencer Knight won his first NHL game, stopping 33 of 34 just the other night. So congratulations, Spencer. That's absolutely huge. Yeah, and you got to love that he was rocking those American pads while he did it, too. That was pretty <laughs> sick. That was. I was, really, I was really happy to see that, and I was really, really happy to see him with his first victory there, too. That's a huge deal, and he's joining a really, really successful team right now, man. What an exciting time to join a team like the like the Panthers. Yeah. They are just on fire. They are, and for him, I mean, for some reason, if his NHL career doesn't work out and, you know, he's hired up for cash one day, he's got, he can sell those pads for probably quite a free penny, right? I mean, he got he won a, a yeah. gold medal junior in those pads and then got in his first NHL game in those pads. So if I were him, I'm, I'm keeping those pads close to me because those are lucky. 100% I would. And then we actually move into some ECHL news. So a couple of tidbits of ECHL news before we are actually going to jump into another game review. But the ECHLs, and this is a really interesting story, and this is a COVID story. The Wheeling Nailers, their main coach has now resigned. Basically, the story is because of the issues with the border, Mark French uh, resigned from his position with the organization. Basically, he's from PEI. And because of the massive COVID restrictions, he hasn't seen his family in over six months. So he has decided to resign from the position. So Derek Army is now the interim head coach. And one of the players, I think I just saw it an hour or two ago, has also now retired and taken over the assistant coach position. Lots of changes happening there in the ECHL's wheeling nailers. This is what I call COVID story. This is things people don't think about in certain scenarios where you got a coach from PI. He's been unable to see his family for six months and family first. He's, he's got to step away from, you know, probably one of his dream jobs. Yeah, I mean, I can speak a little bit on that, obviously. We've got some ties to PEI, and, and, you know, right now they've got, for people that are listening to in the States, or I'm sure everyone that's listening from Canada would understand, knows about this, but there's an Atlantic bubble, uh, and basically um, PEI's done a very great job keeping numbers super low, right? They're an island. You have to get there by bridge so they can control who's in, who's out. 
Um, they've done a really good job to basically having basically under 10 COVID cases at once. You know, I'm sure they had a, a spikes where they went over that, but right now they're super low. And when it happens, they take care of it. Like they're on the ball. And even now, if you want to go there, you need to apply why you want to go there, where you're going to be isolating for two weeks, what's your plan for food, water, all that kind of stuff has to be in a plan. So for him, he it's not something where he can just go home, you know, spend a couple of days, say, see you later, hop back on a flight and go because they're actually not even allowing that to happen. So so for him, obviously, he had to, you know, six months is a long time. And I think he, he pushed it out for a while. But like you said, sometimes, you know, it, it probably was a dream job for him. But at the same time, family first. And uh, hopefully someone's going to pick up on, you know, the family value this guy has and, and put him on a bench somewhere because, you know, you want to have like a leader as a coach. And this guy basically made a decision that's going to affect him maybe for the negatively because he's you know he's leaving a job but it's affecting everyone else around him positively and it's it's one of those things where it's it's really disappointing for him i imagine and, and the organization to have this happen because of covid not be, probably not something that would have happened in any other circumstance but when you can't see your family that long it's sometime you guys got to call it and that's basically what he did here so I'm going to say congratulations to him he was able to walk away from that job and, and choose his family and i think that's the right call at the end of the day, there are things bigger than hockey. There's a lot of things bigger than hockey. And the number one thing people got to remember is I think you always have to, sh- you should be putting your family first, should be putting your loved ones first. Because at the end of the day, when everything else comes apart, those are going to be the people that stand by your side. I hope he does find a better position there in PEI or somewhere within the Atlantic and, uh, you know, be able to continue coaching. That said, weird news for me coming out of Utica in the AHL, and it does affect the ECHL. So, I don't know what's 100% happening in Utica right now, but the Utica Comets are considering relocating, and that's an AHL team, if anyone's not familiar with them, are considering relocating, and they've named a few locations, one of those being Salt Lake City. That said, that's exciting if the Salt Lake, you know, if Salt Lake City could get an AHL team, but Salt Lake City has an ECHL team. And the first thing I thought of was when the Vermilion Bobcat or the Vermilion County Bobcats of the SPHL announced that they were going to be the newest addition, and that forced out the FPHL's Danville Dashers, which killed the franchise. FYI, if anyone doesn't know, me and you, Seabass, I think talked about this a month or two ago. That officially ended the organization. That move, they had a just call it quits, which is disappointing because this is their 10th season anniversary. Those jerseys look sick. They've just been selling off and auctioning off all the pieces. Man, for basically my second favorite jersey in North American professional sports or in North American professional hockey, I was really disappointed to see that Danville was destroyed by this move. Now, congratulations to the SPHL for expanding. Really disappointed for the Dashers organization. For this one, though, I don't think Utica moving is surprising to me. It's such a far distance between Vancouver and Utica. Especially in a COVID season, it, it's just so hard to get players onto a taxi squad, back down to the AHL, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like it, it's kind of like when Ottawa relocated, Binghamton went to Belleville, right? It basically makes it drivable for the prospects. In a normal season, you know, if you get called up for the next day, you can hop in your car and be here and sleep the night in Ottawa and you know get morning skating. In Utica, I mean, you gotta get on a flight, fly to Vancouver, hope things match up. Um, you know, there's no possibility of a oh hey, you know. Um, in morning skate, one of our guys went down and called somebody up from Utica. It's just too far to really get something that done. And I, I think 
I really, do, I really think that the HL should be, either reassign teams to make them closer. But in this case, Utica has been with Vancouver Court for quite a while, and I, I'm not surprised by this move at all. Well, apparently one of the other cities, uh, just from memory, it was Abbotsford, which is super close. Uh, so that would be a very, I'd imagine, a perfect location if Utica was to relocate. I would just, for me, considering the fact that Utica would consider Salt Lake City, my question is, if Utica did consider Salt Lake City, I'd imagine that the Grizzlies wouldn't collapse, they would just move. I just think that would be a very tough pill to swallow for the fans of the Grizzlies that have been around. I mean, the Grizzlies have been in Utah since even before the ECHL. I mean, they were there for the IHL and, and such. And this is a team that's pretty well, in terms of hockey, a staple in the Salt Lake City area. But when you're talking about a bigger league like the AHL coming in, what do you think that would look like in, in, a, in a city like Salt Lake City in terms of like fan bases? Like, do you think that would cause a problem? Like, I don't know if the Vermilion County Bobcats are going to get a lot of Dashers fans in there initially. I think eventually Dashers fans will get over the loss and accept that they have the Bobcats in town. And if you're in Danville, just I would imagine just jump on, jump on that train and, and, and join the, the Bobcats organization there and show support to the SPHL and your local hockey team because having hockey is better than no hockey. I just don't know how that would look here in Salt Lake City. I, I mean, just I, think it's a weird situation. I completely understand, right? You got that loyalty, but at the same time, you're getting an AHL team, so you're getting to see a lot of these young kids who are going to make that push for the NHL. Absolutely, uh, future stars. You know, I mean, like if I were ever to find myself in Belleville a day that you know the Belleville Senators were playing, and I had nothing, you know, if I had nothing going on, or if I had some time, I definitely would catch a game because the thing is, I'm seeing all these prospects. Same thing as in Toronto. I mean, right before all this COVID and all that happened, you know, I had a friend who was an equipment manager there, and I was able to get tickets. Um, and I wasn't able to get out to a Marley's game, but you know, I'm not a Toronto fan by any means, but I'd still like to go to a game and see all these prospects that are coming up. You know, that's where they develop. So at the same time, is yeah, you know, it sucks, especially if they end up pushing them out completely. You know, if they can't coexist, you know, they leave. It sucks for all all those fans. But at the same time, you know, eventually you do get over because you are getting that little bit higher of a level of hockey being played there. And you yeah. know, hopefully they do kind of like what Ottawa did when. Or uh, what Belleville did when they kind of took over there. Uh, obviously, there was no team there at the time because the, the Belleville Bulls had already moved. But, you know, they really inserted themselves in the community. And I think if that, if they're going to be pushing out a longstanding team, they need to go in there with a plan being like, this is how even COVID restrictions, whatever, find a safe way to do it. Or, you know, without COVID, whatever, however they, the move gets made when it gets made, is to really dive into the community and make sure that you're part of the community. So the community now has their arms open and willing to take you in. It's not just a hostile takeover. Yeah, I think that would be the way to open arms way of handling it. So honestly, I hope for Salt Lake City, they do get an AHL team. I am sure the Grizzlies will find a city to relocate to should that be the issue. But it's just one of the cities in consideration if Utica even moves. But before we wrap up this podcast, we want to finish it with a really short synopsis because there wasn't a lot of goals. <laughs> but it was a really entertaining game out of the uh, BCHL, Chilliwack Chiefs and the Prince George Bruce Kings. And this game was last night. Uh, Wednesday, April 21st, and I had watched a game before it. It was Nanaimo versus Coachin Valley, and I was quite impressed, so I decided to watch a full game. And it just happened to be the Chiefs and the Spruce Kings, so I was all in. And I will say, first of all, excellent, excellent coverage by by the staff there in the Chilliwack Arena. 
uh, the broadcasters, and overall just the BCHL. I thought this was a really impressive game, really impressive everything. I love the replays. I love everything about it. I know I like the slam marinas that get it wrong. Well, they got it right. Give credit where credit's due. But in net for the Chiefs was Jacob Galms, the 18-year-old out of Maple Ridge, British Columbia. And in net for the Spruce Kings was Aaron Trotter, the 20-year-old out of Victoria, British Columbia. Now in the first, nearly halfway through, there's a scramble for the loose puck in front of the net, and the puck lands on the stick of the 19-year-old forward out of Seychelles, British Columbia, Colton Cousins, and he buries it. one nothing Spruce Kings. Going into talking about the BCHL, uh, this is this is an excellent league. It's very well known across Canada, and tons, and I mean tons, if you don't believe me, Google BCHL to NHL connections. Tons of NHL players here. So some of these names that you're going to be hearing on this podcast, keep an eye on because you probably will see them somewhere playing professional hockey. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, just a scramble front. I mean, me, both of you watched those highlights, but it was just a scramble goal. Not much to talk about there. It was just, it was good on Cousins for picking that up. The second period was scoreless and we actually moved into the third. I will say though, in the second period, it was just a goaltender clinic by Gomes and Trotter. Like those two were just on it. I want to talk about these guys right as we wrap up this podcast, but let's move into the only other goal in this game. It was just over halfway through the third. The Chiefs find themselves on a penalty kill, and Christian Buano, the 20-year-old monster of a man out of Burnaby, British Columbia, buries it. It's 2-0 Spruce Kings. Yeah, it made me laugh. It was like the mountain scored the goal. This this guy's oh a God. monster. Um, and I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of that Shea Weber style, right? When he lifts a stick, everyone kind of wants to get out of the way, and I can imagine when they shot, uh, you know, the defensemen or the defensemen were kind of hoping the puck wasn't going to hit them, and they, you know, a nice power play goal. Yeah, I, was, I think he's only like five eleven, but he's like over two hundred pounds. I'm like, got to be just pure muscle, man. It's just got to be pure muscle. Now they did pull the goalie with under two minutes to go in the game, but it was no luck. The Spruce Kings come out of this with a two nothing victory over the Chiefs, and I was impressed by both goalies. First of all, Golm's leg movement was excellent just excellent watching him move and trotter's puck tracking skills were impeccable i mean these guys are fantastic goalie now gomes stopped 23 25 and trotter stopped all 22 he faced but dude this was an excellent game yeah and i mean like i said i'm not surprised at all the bchl's always pushed out great great players you know one guy that comes to mind just because he just made his, his auto center's debut is you know uh jacob bernard docker um, that's just one guy who got drafted in the first round, basically, out of the BCHL as he was going off to the NCAA. So, you know, if, if someone's listening and kind of interested in what we're talking with BCHL, definitely check them out. Um, I'm sure we'll definitely talk about it way more, but it's oh, definitely yeah. a great league to take it to, to watch. It's, it's got great players and it's always, always intense. Oh, absolutely. I kept, I kept watching last night until I got tired. But thank you for everyone listening to this podcast again. This is Sebastian and Chris at Pigeon Hockey. Keep your sticks on the ice. And we'll catch you next time.